You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Today we continue our series through the book of 1 Corinthians called Putting God's House in Order. Today's message is entitled Social Disorder. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. you all to pick up in your Bible where we took off last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And if you would like to, you can also look at Philippians uh, chapter 2, because I'm going to read part of that as well. Um, let me just do this to the side. Just kind of give you a review last week as, as we begin this. Last week's sermon was called, God Can Bless This Mess. Paul had received a letter from the Corinthians And this is a letter in response to the problems, to the messiness he had seen in the first Corinthian church. And this, we went over it last week. There's all kinds of problems going on. But in this, this first problem we're going to see today is what I've called the message social disorder. First problem they have, and it kind of goes along with what Kelly's saying, is this problem of division, this problem of faction. And I call it just social disorder. Let me just ask you a question this morning as we begin. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe a church, maybe not a church, maybe a work environment, where there is just disorder, where the right hand is not talking to the left hand? If you ever have, you will know that that is a horrible place to be. Uh, The best example I can give you is years ago when I was flying for the airlines, uh, I was on call. I was on what's called reserved, and uh, uh, they gave. They were bad weather, and it was short staff. They didn't have crews anywhere. So what they did, they assigned me as being Houston based. A trip that began and ended out of Newark, New Jersey. Okay, that's fine. They they gave me a ticket, uh, of a seat in a plane, and they flew me up there. Well, somewhere on the time up to Newark, New Jersey, that trip went away. Uh, a line pilot picked it up, I guess, or I don't really know what happened. But anyway, when I landed in Newark, I got ready to go get on my flight, and hey, the flight's gone. It's not there. They found somebody for it. So I look on my schedule. Have I been reassigned? No, I ain't been reassigned. So I call crew scheduling, which, by the way, if y'all ask me what I miss about that career, it's not that. I couldn't stand those people. They didn't know, they didn't know anything didn't seem like. And they said, well, just go to the hotel and we'll find something for you later. So I was on a five-day stretch, so I went to the hotel there in Newark, New Jersey, and I waited. And mind you, they're canceling flights left and right. And I waited. Day one came. And I waited. Day two came, and I waited. Day three came, and I waited. And I spent four days in a hotel in New York, New Jersey, just getting paid to basically order pizza and watch TV. Somewhere, somewhere in all that mess, the right hand wasn't talking to the left hand. Because I know there were people that didn't make their flights when they had a guy that was ready, willing, and able to fly them to their destination. I was there for four days, and what ended up happening is they just gave me a ticket back home. And that kind of stuff happens all the time. It's, it's, it's just social disorder. Nobody really knows who's in charge uh, or who we think's in charge really isn't in charge. And that's just kind of a, a good illustration of where this church is at today in 1 Corinthians. And where we left off last week 
is verse 10, where Paul says, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. In this, Paul is, what we said last week, he's saying the dangers of divisions. And he's pleading with them to get this right. We don't, of all the, the messiness and of all the disorder that's going on, I'm pleading with you that there be no, no divisions. And I'm pleading with you that you'll all be of the same mind. Well, one of the things we have to ask ourselves, especially when dealing with social things, well, whose mind? That sounds silly, but that happens a lot in today's time. Well, whose mind are you talking about? Because I've got this one preacher I like, or I had this one preacher I like, or I've got this politician I like. Whose mind? How are we supposed to get along? And I think you find that answer in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul wrote the Philippians, and he says much the same thing. The one mind that can unite us all the one thing that can divide and unite us all is having the mind of Christ. In Philippians 2, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, he wrote the Philippians and he said this, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Here it is again. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's the gospel. Whose mind are we supposed to go after? When Paul says we're to be of the same mind, he is talking about all of us as believers. Whether you're serving but behind the pulpit, in the choir, as a deacon, he's calling on everybody to have the same mind of Jesus. He's not saying that you guys need to have my mindset as Paul, or you need to have this guy's Apollo's mindset, or Cephas's mindset, or even Brother Kevin's mindset. He's saying, guys, if you want the divisions to stop, you need to have the mind of Jesus. Divisions will stop when we are of the same mind, the mind of Jesus. Just think about what we just read in Philippians. And I just ask you, church, I just ask you to consider these things. Having the mind of Jesus means that we have the same love for everybody. For everybody that, that comes through the door. For everybody we see in the street. For every race. For every political party. For every denomination. Protestant, Catholic, Buddhist, or Hindu. We look at them and we see a sinner who needs a Savior. Or a sinner who has a Savior. And we love them like Christ loved them. That has huge implications for us as believers. And that has huge implications for us in leadership. Shame on the pastor that, that, that treats the new convert any different than he treats the seasoned Christian. 
When somebody new comes, I'm going to pour out my love on them the same as somebody that's been here for years. I'm not going to prioritize who I visit and who I treat. I'm not going to change how I preach for one faction because I have the same love for everybody. Read in Philippians. When we have this same mind, nothing, absolutely nothing we do whether it's the sermons we preach, the visits we make, the people we pray for, the kind of worship we, we try to, to have and, and, and give, nothing is done through selfishness but selflessness. We think of others more than ourselves. I mean, can you imagine the kind of divisions in the modern day church that would cease to go away if we would come and we would just say, well, look, I didn't like the music today. Well, newsflash for you, we're not here to worship you. We're here to worship the king. The question is not about me, it's about Jesus. That's putting our selfishness aside and thinking of others more than ourselves. Ultimately, like Jesus did, ultimately the father above everything else. This is a mind of humility. It's the study we're doing on Sunday night. A mind that, that gets down and, and gets in, in the muck and the mud and the messiness and serves others and, instead of caring about being served. A mind obedient to the Father, so obedient that you're willing to go where He says go, where you're willing to do what He says do. And if you're obedient as Christ and if you're as obedient as Paul and Peter and all these apostles, that means being obedient to the point of even death itself. Man, divisions will stop when we have the mind of Jesus, a mind of humility, a mind of obedience, a mind of love. A church of the living Christ should strive and should have the same mind of Christ. Can I just ask you, church, what would this church look like? What would any church look like if every member on the roll truly was of the same mind of Jesus? I believe with all my heart if we could get the social disorder fixed, a lot of the other disorder would take care of itself. I think that's why Paul began here. Divisions and factions would cease because we would all be on the same page and we'd all have the same goals in mind. And we'd be willing to, to let our selfishness go to, to go after the kingdom and the king. And Paul wanted them to walk step and step and have the same mind as Christ Jesus, as he did the Philippians, as he did the Galatians, as he does the church of dry prong in every church. That's what I want as well, and that's what you should want. So I hope, hope you'll leave here today, and I hope you'll really ask yourself in every situation, in church work, secular work, school work, home life, whatever, let the mind of Jesus be in you. Would Christ be welcome in your home? Would he find a place at the table or would he feel uncomfortable at the things that are there? Would he be comfortable in a business meeting at Dry Prom? Would he be comfortable in worship at Dry Prom? Because if not, we've got a problem. It's not about Brother Kevin. It's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's about Jesus. That's what he's saying here. Be of the same mind, guys. And then in verse 11, we see why he begins this way. And you see one of the purposes for the letter. In verse 11, it says, For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, 
by those of Chloe's household that there are contentions among you. What I would say, I say this is the second truth. I believe Paul wrote this lady's name in here for a reason. And I say, thank God for the Chloe's. And the question is, who is Chloe? And to my knowledge, this is the only passage in the Bible that speaks of her. But I could say this. What I could say about Chloe is that Chloe was a peacemaker. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Do you remember last week? We go back, and if you don't remember, go back and, and listen to that sermon. As Paul begins, he begins stating his authority, called by the will of God, not by the will of men. Now, in this next verses we're going to read in a minute, you could say, well, Chloe might have went to Paul because she just loved Paul more. Chloe was of the Pauling faction, but I don't think that's the case. Chloe did not go to Paul because she loved him more. She didn't go to him because she respected him more. She didn't go to him to get the other people in trouble. She went to him because he was the highest man on the ladder. Remember, church, at this point in time, they didn't have a New Testament. But they did have the men and the, the men who wrote it. And Chloe knew the proper place was the apostle. The apostle commissioned to the Gentiles, her people. So in an effort of peace, she didn't buy into the factions. She didn't buy into the divisions. She saw problems and she just went to the right place, the one person that could address it. Church, may I, may I just say, it, it never ceases to amaze me at the people who talk bad about those in authority, that talk bad about the decisions made by those in authority, yet they never talk to the authority. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind this Corinthian church was filled with people who were talking bad about Paul, who were saying Paul got this wrong or he got this wrong or this guy's doing this right and we're doing all this stuff. And Chloe... Chloe is the only one out of all of them that we know about that went to Paul himself and just say, Paul, we got a problem. Church, I hope you'll see this. And I hope you'll resolve in your heart to be a peacemaker wherever you're at. If you've got a problem in the church, maybe with the pastor or the pastor's decision, the deacon, the worship leader, whoever it is, don't talk about that person. Don't bypass that person. Go to that person. I'm telling you, a lot, a whole lot of division could be healed. A whole lot of clarity could be found if people would have the mindset of Chloe, who had the mindset of Jesus, to just go to the proper authority. If you got the mindset of Jesus, well, the mind of Jesus is that, hey, God gave apostles and God gave pastors, so what would Jesus have me do? Odds are he would have you go to the pastor, or in this case, the apostle, the one he commissioned for the job. Thank God for the Chloe's and thank God for those of you in here that have done that. I'm telling you, if you want your church to go forward, we need to quit talking about authority at the gossip shop and here and there and just talk to the person. And now let's dive a little bit deeper. Now this is what Chloe told him in verse 12. He said, well, in verse 11, that they're contentious among you. And he says in verse 12, now I say this. That each of you says, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? In this, 
Paul asked some rhetorical questions, and in these two verses, I believe, we're reminded of the truth of who Christ is and who man is. Who Christ is and who man is. You see the factions that have been formed here. You see that there's one group that says, I'm of Paul. And you see another group that says, I'm of Apollos. And you can read about Apollos in other parts of Scripture. Some believe he wrote the book of Hebrews. He's an educated man. Then you see another man named Cephas. Now we don't know. uh, It could be that this is Peter, the disciple Peter who walked on water. Or it could be somebody else. There's no record of him being in this area. Or uh, it could be just somebody else. Then you have a fourth group saying, I'm of Christ. These first three groups is, is what we see today. And I want you to notice something. Paul doesn't put down these men. Because Paul has the mindset of Jesus. He's humble. And Paul understands that people are going to gravitate to other teaching styles different. If you ask me, some of my favorite preachers may be some, some of your least favorite. I resonate with guys like, like my friend Casey Johnson because he's got hunting stories and fishies, fishing stories and he's energetic. I love uh, the teaching style of Odie Bachman and John Piper. And, and I've got people I like and people I dislike. And in this group, you see the same thing. Paul has got a Jewish background, uh, Apollos too. Paul, he says later he didn't come with eloquent words or wisdom. Chances are Apollos probably did. And then you've got Cephas, and we don't know if it's the same Peter or not. But, but Peter, this guy is probably like your everyday sort of guy. Your, your fisherman, your hunter type guy. And the truth is that each of these men have unique gifts and they relate to people differently. And Paul just addresses this not by critiquing the men. He just puts them in their proper place by asking the rhetorical question. Was Paul crucified for you? I mean, really, guys, think about it. Who are these men? They're men. We see this in churches so many times today. You've probably seen it in this church. One could say, I'm with this pastor, I'm with this pastor, or this evangelist, or that evangelist, or this worship leader, or that worship leader. But we could even take it a step further today. I think it's one of the saddest things. We, we can look at the church as a whole today. And in our Protestant circles, we've got some that are of the Reformed category. Well, I'm with John Calvin and his Institutes of Christianity. Or no way, you're a five-point Calvinist. I'm, I'm with Jacob Arminius and five-point Calvinist is a heresy from hell. And you see the squabbles going on and I just say... Christian, that is so silly. These men are dead men that died a long, long time ago. And I would say to you the same thing Paul said. Was Kevin crucified for you? Was Lloyd crucified for you? What about John Calvin or or Jacob Arminius? Of course not. The answer is of course not. Paul, Paul answers these questions by asking rhetorical questions all throughout this letter. Paul reminds them that these men are just men. Every one of them, everyone Paul listed, everyone I listed, they're just men. They're men, they're sinful men that needed a Savior. They're men who gets a whole lot of things right. A man, 
Both of them, Calvin, Arminian, Paul, Apollos, me, whatever pastor you can think of, they're men that get a whole lot of things right, but they're also men who also get a whole lot of things wrong. They are men worth listening to, sure. They're men worth following to a degree, sure. But not one of them are worth worshiping. And we're not called to have the same mind of Paul, Apollos, Kevin, Calvin, Piper, Bacham, whoever. We're called to be of the same mind of Jesus. But then you've got another group in here, and that's going to be the natural question. Is what about this, this other group? I'm of Christ. Well, Brother Kevin, didn't you just say we're supposed to have the same mind of Christ? Well, this is another faction that is formed. And this is another group that we see today in, in many circles. Those who would say that all I need is Christ. I don't need a preacher. I don't need a teacher. I don't need an apostle. I don't need Sunday school. I don't need church. Or maybe even I don't need a denomination. I can go. I'm, I'm just a holy, holy spirit filled man and I need nothing more. And Paul just says, really? Well, you say that, but I don't remember Christ being divided. He sets them straight by saying, is Christ divided? And I would go a step further and I would think Paul would even go further and say, really? I seem to remember him praying at the Lord's Supper that we would all be united. Really, you say you're of Christ, but the Holy Spirit has told me and I know that God gave some, Christ gave some to be apostles and preachers and teachers. And I remember this man, Peter, I remember Jesus saying to you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. And you're telling me you don't need a church and you're of Christ. This is crazy, guys. Church, listen to me. To be of Christ is to be united. To be of Christ is to love His church, to serve His church. To be of Christ is to follow the ones that He placed in authority. To be of Christ is to love Him above all else. And you can't love Christ and hate His body and His bride. You just can't do it. So I encourage you, don't be a follower of men. Don't be divided. Trust Christ. Trust the leaders He's placed within the church. Careful here, I, I do encourage you to respect men, godly men. I encourage you to listen to men. And to a certain degree, I do encourage you to follow some, some, some men in their manner of life. But always remember this, men are men, Christ is Christ, and Christ is not divided. Remember, this is His church. And we want, to, we want God to bless the mess and make it beautiful. That's not going to happen with factions and people being divided. So we read on. There's uh, kind of an amusing part to me. It's truth number four. It's the difference between baptism and the gospel. He says in verse uh, 14, after asking the question, were you baptized in the name of Paul? And Paul seems to remember like, well, yeah, I did baptize a couple of you. But he says this. He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gauss, lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Well, Paul 
What Paul's doing here, I believe, is just kind of a vent of frustration. He's venting and he wanted them to know that, hey, that I understand I had an important part in some of your lives. But I'm thankful I didn't do too much because, you know, I want you to know that baptism was not my purpose. My purpose is to share the gospel. Nothing magical happened in the water. What's magical happened at the foot of the cross. Now, he's not putting down baptism. He's just putting it in its proper place. He's saying, basically, guys, the gospel is what we should all be united around. And yes, even though I baptized some, that's not what God had in mind for me. It was for me to share, preach, teach, and lead others to Christ through the gospel of Christ. And that gospel that we're going to read, that gospel is so simple, it's not done with eloquent words. It's not done with eloquent wisdom or a whole lot of study or intellectualism, all of which Paul could do, by the way. We have records of him quoting Greek philosophers. But the gospel is simple and needs nothing more. Paul wanted them to know in these two verses that the power of the gospel is not found in baptism. The power of the gospel isn't found in fancy speech. It isn't found in great gifts or fancy equipment. The power of the gospel is found on the cross. And he wants them to look to the cross. That's number five, and that's where I'll end it. Look to the cross. And this is what he says in uh, verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Eyes, I want you to look at the cross. Don't look at me. Don't look at Apollos. Don't look at all this stuff. Look at the cross. And this is what he says. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Contextually, this is really what's going on here. They're living in a Greco-Roman world, and this is what people in that day did. They looked to their favorite philosophers, their favorite thought of mind. And Paul is just saying, guys, you don't need to do this. You need to look to the cross. If you want hope, if you want love, if you want joy, if you want unity, if you want eternity, let go of the wisdom, let go of the men, and look to the cross. All of that is wrapped up and all of it's found in Jesus on the cross. The cross is where love ran red on that Good Friday. The cross is what unites us all. The world hates, hates, hates the cross. But to us who have received this gift of salvation, oh, how we love it. The cross. Churches, we go on and we go forward and we see our church grow and we see it being blessed. We're going to talk about it more last week. May it never ever be said that Brother Kevin is the reason First Baptist Dry Prong grew into what it could be. I hope Dry Prong grows, but I hope you look at me and I hope you never say, well, it's because Brother Kevin went to seminary. It's because he's a great preacher. It's because he goes out and knocks on doors. No, don't you ever say that about me. You say, it's because of the gospel Brother Kevin shared. And I believe every pastor that's ever stood behind this pulpit, I believe it with all my heart, they would say the exact same thing. That is where our hope lies, is at the cross.
Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you know that divisions will stop when everybody's of the same mind, the mind of Jesus. I hope you know that blessed are the peacemakers and we should all strive to be like Chloe. I hope you know who Christ is and who man is. I hope you know the difference between baptism and the gospel. And most importantly, I hope you'll go into this week and every day of life look into the cross where the greatest gift to mankind was ever displayed. Thanks for listening today. I hope you have a wonderful week.